Hello, happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Danielle Carter, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. If you have thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at Cisco Champion. Today we are talking about AI. The Cisco Nexus 9000 switches have the hardware and software capabilities available today to provide the right latency, congestion management mechanisms, and telemetry to meet the requirements of AI ML applications. Today we have our champions and Cisco expert who will be leading the conversation and diving into this topic. So let's get started with introductions. Paul, let's start with you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hello everybody, I am Paul Giblin. I am a consulting solutions architect and distinguished engineer at Presidio. I've been working in the uh, VAR systems integrator space for upwards of uh, 15, 16 years now. And uh, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades and uh, certainly keenly interested in uh, AI and ML. Okay, thank you for joining us today. Kenny, you're up next. What do you do? Thank you very much. My name is Kenny Paula. I'm an information security professional. And I've been um, working in the manufacturing automation industry for last 15 years. It's wearing multiple hats between network engineers and architectures all the way to network securities engineer and architectures. Now more in the optics, cybersecurity side of the house and ethical hacking. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. We're happy to have you. Liam, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Liam Keegan. I uh, work for 24 uh, 7 Networks out of Denver, Colorado. I, uh, I run the US operations for 24 7 and Rio Bravo, but I'm sort of a longtime nerd. Uh, so I've been a CCAE for a while, and uh, I, I am super interested in to hear about how people are using uh, Nexus in new and cool ways. So thanks for having me on. Of course. We love having you here. Okay, we have our guest, Nemanja. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us who you are and what it is you do at Cisco? Thank you, Daniel. Hello. Uh, my name is Nemanja Kamenica. I am technical marketing engineer at Cisco supporting Nexus product line, uh, Nexus product line of switches for data center. Um, been at Cisco for about nine years, um, helping customers deploy their uh, networks in the best possible way using our next switches. Uh, been working with um, Rocky uh, Transport for for multiple years now, helping customers deploy it in best possible way as well. Great. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Can you give us a little bit of background on today's topic? Oh yeah, definitely. So what we're gonna talk today is about uh, AI ML blueprint, which we recently published at the end of May. Uh, the blueprint covers networking part of the AI ML uh, um, clusters. Um, why network is important? Basically, it's an integral integral part of AI ML cluster. Each cluster does uh, have like kind of five components, five key components uh, with it. Those are compute nodes, basically where our application will live and where it will be compute. Uh, it will have a network 
Uh, each of those compute nodes need to talk to each other. So network would be an integral part of that cluster, providing that communication between those compute nodes. Um, just to, to kind of shortly go back, uh, those compute nodes may be CPU driven or GPU driven, depends of what kind of cluster you want to build. Uh, and then obviously the, the, there is a storage file or storage device in, in this network, in this uh, cluster, and network will provide communication between those compute nodes and a storage uh, node. So that's from the infrastructure perspective, what are the main components? Um, why, why this is important for today's audience uh, and anybody listening, I feel that um, after ChatGPT uh, gaining mindshare, AI is gaining mindshare uh, and uh, being able to, to kind of a lot of enterprises are thinking of how and what they can improve um, in their day-to-day -day works and different industry have a different requirements uh, how and what they want to improve. So that's in short. Nemanja, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, maybe jump in and ask a quick question here. Uh, you kind of mentioned that OpenAI is taking the world by storm, um, you know, obviously with ChatGPT and Dolly, and uh, you have a lot of uh, other uh, frameworks that are out there, um, and they're certainly not uh, brand new. Uh, there's obviously been a lot of AI ML going on for years and years and years now, but it seems that it's reached a point in the, the public eye where it's becoming mainstream. And obviously, with Cisco having uh, such a dominance in the data center market, um, it feels like this is kind of timely. Are you, uh, as kind of Cisco at large, seeing a greater interest from your customers uh, to build out, uh, you know, in-house in data center uh, AI ML environments as compared to leveraging cloud resources like OpenAI? Thank you, Paul. Um, so yes, definitely. Um, in last couple of years, we see uh, ramp up of interest of customer building uh, more of such a converged uh, data center. What I mean by that, uh, they would run their own current workloads and they would run a different set of workloads requiring a, a kind of different um, requirements uh, or different transport from the network. So when you combine those two network or or those two requirements, you create something which is called converged network. And one piece of that converged network would be communication between um, AI uh, cluster or AI computes doing some kind of AI workloads um, and kind of interconnecting all of the components which I mentioned earlier. Um, I would say last two years that started to be more and more prevalent communication and interest of the customers, um, obviously, um, it did get very, very hot uh, since last year or end of last year when OpenAI and ChatGPT have shown to the world what those AI networks are capable to do. Uh, so since then, there is a lot of customers asking, hey, I would like to create a cluster which performs a specific function for me. I do have an Nexus 9000 switches in my network. Can I use them to, to create this cluster? Um, and you definitely, like our answer to this, it's definitely yes. There are all the features and capabilities of the Nexus 9000 switches, which are allowing you to do that. So the first, um, the first requirement is that you create a non-blocking network. So you would go and create a network, which is not oversubscribed, um, and allow free communication. However, not no non-blocking network would allow you, um, 
to function or, or endpoints to work in uh, or subscribed or when there is many to one uh, type of communication. So you have to have um, some kind of congestion management algorithm, uh, which will be able to mitigate those congestions, especially in many to one communication. So Nexus 9000 switches do provide capabilities with um, ECN, explicit congestion notification, to mitigate that congestion, and also ECN coupled with PFC, priority flow control, uh, where two of them can work hand in hand to mitigate this congestion. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there is also a set of tools which can help you automate uh, this network, um, particularly in, in Blueprint, which we published recently. Uh, we do have Nexus dashboard fabric controller equipped with set of um, templates and configuration templates, which allow you to, to create that network in an easy and um, um, easy way in line with best practices. And in addition to that, there is a set of scripts with Ensemble, which will allow you to push that configuration from kind of single point of management and just as a script. Um, so those are those are the stuff which we are kind of proposing here. Um, in addition to all of that, which I mentioned, uh, there is also a set of telemetry features which are enabled on the Nexus 9000 switches. And those telemetry features will allow you as a user to gain visibility into the network and how all those congestion management algorithms or, or mechanisms work. Uh, we exported that telemetry into in-house tool called Nexus Dashboards Insights. Um, and then those, those capabilities will be uh, present in subsequent release or the next release. Um, so from from that perspective, you gain network, uh, which is perfectly capable to serve all those AI ML workloads. You get automation tools so you can easily deploy and in line with best practices. And then you get a visibility tool with uh, Nexus dashboards insights. So you gain visibility into all those workloads as well as the network which serves those workloads. So, so maybe if we like, like just stepping sort of up for a second or into like the 30,000 foot view, right? Like, okay, so so an AIML model, like when you're training a model, right? You've got communication moving back and forth between the, 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 the system components, but it's still on like a Nexus fabric, right? Or, a, a, you know, a, a Nexus switch. Like what makes that flow different that would, re, that would, that would like, like, what 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 makes the the that that particular use case different on the network that would cause Cisco to, to you know basically design uh, a, a design guide for AIML network? Like how does it compare to my exchange traffic or file share or you know just standard <laughs> standard traffic? Good good question, Liam. So let, let's kind of start from from um, high level view. Um, I did mention that there is a, there are compute nodes which are performing that tasks. Um, usually that wouldn't be like one or two, but it would be possibly a hundreds or even thousands of those compute nodes serving hundreds or thousands of GPUs. Um, there is an information on the internet which flows there, floats there, uh, that usual um, AI cluster has, uh, which runs AI training is 512 GPUs. So you would have- That's a lot of GPUs. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so imagine like, hey, I'm creating a network which serve to serve my enterprise. 
um, I will acquire 512 GPUs, however they're they are done. But then, hey, how this 512 GPUs will talk to each other or how they're going to perform that training uh, mechanism in, in, in this case or, or training tasks. So what happens there? You would have to acquire the network, which will interconnect those. Um, again, to come back to the training, cover that part so we can go to the network. Uh, when you do training, uh, what you do, you have a lot of data which is exchanged between those GPUs. So let, let's say you have created a system, you have 512 GPUs connected with some network and connecting to some storage device. At beginning of training, those devices, those 512 GPUs will say, hey, we are training to recognize a particular thing in, in this here, so in a later stage we can um, um, perform a task related to this. So let's say that that's um, trying to figure out, um, trying to figure out if if in the picture is a muffin. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, so you would get a, a set of data, which in this case would be set of pictures sitting on that storage device. Uh, first task with with those GPUs will need to do is to do something which is called data parallelism. What that means is that they would grab that one picture from the storage device and they would split in between among each other. So each of those 512 GPUs will get a little chunk of that picture and try to do training on that little chunk of that picture. Um, so let's say that this is a um, um, candy store or a bakery or a patisserie, uh, which has a muffin in one of the pictures, but they also have a other set of cookies and and uh, croissants and whatnot. Now you're speaking uh, my language. <laughs> so what 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 they will do once they split that picture, uh, somebody will get a cookie, somebody will get croissant, but somebody will get the muffin. Um, so that that data going from storage and then being split among the, the um, 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 GPUs, uh, it's going to go from from all of them to everybody else saying, hey, you get a little chunk of this data. Um, once they receive that data, that GPU will look and be like, hey, I didn't get the muffin. Uh, I got cookie or I got a croissant or whatever thing it is. But then one or multiple of them will say, hey, I did get a muffin. So I do confirm that I get a muffin and this is how muffin looks like. And I'm going to, at that point in time, advertise this information to everybody else in this cluster. So I'll tell them, hey, I do have a muffin and this is how muffin looks like. Uh, once they all receive that information, they're going to go compute that information, average it out and say, for now on, this is how muffin looks like. We all are trained to recognize this muffin. We know how muffin looks like. They all going to advertise that information to everybody else. So everybody in the cluster knows. Um, and then once they all conclude, they're going to write that information down to a storage device. So I'm going to say, hey, muffin is determined by this set of bits and bytes. I'm going to write that to a storage device. Why do I write it to a storage device? I have trained my, my uh, uh, cluster, um, so they always will know how to recognize it. And then I can use that information later. Um, I did mention like one picture, but this operation happens many times per second, uh, thousands or, or if not a million times per second. Um, and from that perspective, this 
amount of data which flows between the, the, the GPUs in the cluster is enormous. It's, it's a very high amount of data. And basically that communication from storage between all of the GPUs and back to the storage happens many, many times uh, per second. As such, uh, the traffic pattern is very, very intensive. Um, you can say, hey, it's very bursty because eventually once they, they receive the data, once they average, they're going to talk to to everybody or majority of the cluster. Uh, and as such, there will be a lot of data at the same time traversing uh, this network. Um, where where kind of network has to play an important role. Uh, let's say that you're um, an enterprise and you're training your um, cluster to recognize certain certain pattern in like sales or something like that. Uh, that's that's an intensive task, um, which may last a day, two days, or a week, or multiple weeks. Imagine that in this in this time period of a day or a two day. Um, something happens with the network, a congestion happens into the network, network is unable to cope and basically start dropping traffic. What will happen? This training will stop basically at this point. Why, why this is important? Each of those GPUs does have attached costs to, to them. The, the time which they spend computing, the power, the investment for, for you to get GPUs or network or any of those components. So account for amount of um, money which you would lose basically stopping that training um, before it finishes. So that's basically the idea here. Have your network being equipped to, to be able to cope with all those, um, all those challenges, provide enough bandwidth uh, to, to all of the, the hosts so they are able to do that uh, in, a, in a best possible way. All right, that's, that's great. We went from from cookies, muffin, all the way to congestion <laughs> management and all that, and, and that's great. So have one question that I'll cover a few things here, um, if you will. How is this different from our regular quality of service or QoS? And you mentioned ECN and priority flow control, I think is P PFC. How do they work together to actually accomplish this low latency or, or or loss, you know, loss, losslessness network that we're talking about here. Thank you, Kenny. Um, so, QoS it's very important in in this network. Reason is, as I mentioned in beginning, you have to provide a non-blocking network. And you need to provide low latency, and you need to provide congestion management. You will not want to to do uh, this to every single set of traffic. You want to provide only these capabilities to this particular. Um, workloads to AI ML workloads. Um, so how you would provide, let's say, a low latency, you will provide it basically using a, a right set of switches for your use case. Either those are top of rack switches or a fixed switches or some mix of um, uh, fixed or modular switches and so on. Depends what, what your uh, requirement from the latency perspective is. So you choose particular hardware. What that hardware has to do, it has to do QoS how it does QoS, basically a dedicating a class of traffic, um, which, which, which will perform that lossless function. Um, so how do you perform that? As I mentioned, ECN, in particular case, we did write a um, blueprint or have recommended customer to use WRED algorithm, weighted around early detection algorithm. 
uh, with ECN capabilities. So how do we do this? We we will expect or the end host have to be configured um, to do rocky traffic. Um, and if I just step back, why why lossless? Sorry, why lossless is needed? Why low latency is needed? So the compute nodes um, when using uh, when performing this function, they anticipate or or the imperative of this function is to have lowest possible latency in the system. The reason is that RDME, a remote uh, direct memory access, uh, does have a direct access from the NIC to a memory, bypassing the stack. So what I mean by this, I I'm, do not have CPU involved on the compute nodes. I go directly from the NIC to memory of my CPU or my GPU. Um, and I, from that perspective, I do save CPU cycles and I decrease or, or make lowest possible latency. Um, to to kind of maintain this lowest possible latency, if I'm on the Ethernet networks, um, I'm going to encapsulate this particular traffic into a UDP header. Uh, so I might have an RDMA transport, but when I encapsulate it, when I send it on the wire, I'm going to encapsulate an Ethernet header. For Rocky version 2, I do Ethernet header, IP header, and then UDP header. As we know, UDP is uh, best effort transport, same as Ethernet, but it's stateless. Uh, so as such, to preserve this traffic and make sure that from source to destination arrives, you need to have that lossless uh, transport. You need to say to the network, hey, this traffic, this particular um, 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 transport is precious to me. So please provide, make sure it arrives to a destination and provide that lossless transport. Um, so Lani, we, if we, I could just jump in yeah. and, and ask a follow-up question on that topic, is that common to all the frameworks that are out there? Is that the same in TensorFlow as it is in PyTorch? Or is that uh, something that changes across uh, different AI ML frameworks? So to, to my knowledge, um, all those, so, all of the workflow or all, all of them do anticipate that you are having an RDMA communication between CPU and the NIC. How and what you encapsulate, it's kind of choice of the of the application or the customer and what they do. Uh, there, there is kind of two major choices uh, which, which you can learn. The first one that you have in Finiband and the second one would, you, would be that you have Ethernet. Um, all I'm talking right now is Ethernet and how Ethernet does provide this uh, functionality and lossless. So um, from from that perspective, it's choice to to a customer uh, to figure out what transport and what workloads are requiring and what use case they want to solve and choose what kind of transport they, they have. Um, what I'm kind of trying to to convey here, just just to come back here, is that how Ethernet uh, network works and what is requirement for the Ethernet. Um, where kind of the benefit in, in this case for the Ethernet is, is that a lot of network administrators uh, do know how Ethernet network works. Um, I, I do know, I, <laughs> I do have it in my campus, I do have it in my data center everywhere, and I'll be able to, to maintain this network in a sense with ease. Uh, versus if I do and opt out to like a, a particular purpose-built network, 
I might have to recruit a new set of resources to be able to maintain that network. We're kind of, uh, I'm going with the InfiniBand in this case. So it sounds like the way to really do this is to build out a separate dedicated SpineLeaf environment and then let NDFC configure it and let Nexus Dashboard Insights uh, kind of own it and monitor it. Is that consistent? Do you see folks ever deploying these kinds of workloads on a shared SpineLeaf that they're using for other things in their data centers? Or is it generally the case that you want to have a completely isolated environment just for this because of the nature of the traffic? So currently in all deployments, which we have seen, this is a separate network. Um, uh, reason for that, yeah, I want to dedicate resources to particularly this network, um, and I do not want to mix it um, with anything else. Uh, however, um, as we as we know, um, AI ML is top of mind for many enterprises, and I do believe how we move forward in next couple of months or or maybe a couple of years, we will see that this network can be done um, in, in convergence with other work workloads. Um, the blueprint does cover kind of um, uh, MSDC type of a network where you have a layer three network, uh, large scale layer three network done with BGP. Uh, however, we do touch base and there are customers which deploy this with VXLAN eVPN type of uh, transport inside of the network. Um, both of those capabilities are supported and capable to manage congestion and provide low latency um, in, in, in this case. So saying that, um, we do see some customer kind of trying to get there, um, but as I said, I do anticipate in the future there will be more customer trying to merge this in in um, one single big network uh, and having all those uh, workloads in a single network. So even talking about that just a little bit more. So let's say we, we have a customer that you know goes on Amazon, buys buys 512 GPUs, you know, jams them in, you know, three U of space. It's a very very tight data center, right? It, but but they have the the spine leaf leaf architecture to do it. So you know, we we actually just did a, a another uh, champions radio with uh, specifically about NDFC Nexus dashboard fabric controller and using it to automate the the VXLAN uh, uh, the v, the VXLAN overlays. So what is the like what from like a day one day two operations perspective like what is you have this network, it's obviously running this production critical workload, right? You know, in, the, in this in this GPU cluster, what is the Nexus dashboard going to do to help uh, sort of operate, maintain, assure, provide assurance on on this on this AI on this AI uh, network? Let's kind of split that Nexus dashboard into kind of two components, which are which are important here: Nexus dashboard fabric controller NDFC and Nexus Dashboard Insights. Uh, Nexus Dashboard Fabric Controller will help you configure it. I'll come back to that. And NDI, Nexus Dashboard Insights, will help you monitor and observe what's happening in the network. So let's take NDFC first. Um, so Blueprint highlights how you would do, you, you would go check the Blueprint. The Blueprint has a link to a CVD, Cisco Validated Design. Uh, which goes and highlights how you would do this if you want to do it manually through CLI, go for it, um, but also how you would do this through NDFC. Um, in in that CVD, uh, we did cover only layer three fabric, but also if you want to do um, 
with VXLAN, NDFC can configure that network too. Where kind of the key component, irrespective which fabric you, you use, where is the key component of configuring all of this? These special capabilities for AI, ML, lossless transport, QS, PFC, ECN, are specific template which you select at the creation of the fabric or in a later stage you said, hey, I want to implement this function, so well, I'm going to click that. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I think it's like super important for, for, for Cisco customers is, is the NDFC, which is already included as part of the, the, the DCN essentials or Advantage license, has all of the, 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 the kit built into it to basically auto deploy these types of networks. Like this is not something where a customer's engineering team and architectural team are going to need to go read through RFCs to go figure out, you know, what, what parameters should be on switch uh, on a, on a, on a Nexus port. This is all coming directly from Cisco as part of NDFC. I mean, I think it's like super important because that, that time to value just like goes next to zero. You spend more time like plugging the stuff in than like, actually doing the port configs. No, that that's a great question and and I'm glad you asked for me to clarify this part. So 98% is already there in 12.1.2. So that's a current shipping CCO release for NDFC. Which part is missing is that little part about QS configuration adjusted to a particular platform. So that platform particular switch. So that platform can perform this task in a best possible way. Got it. Um, so where this little part will come, it will come in the next release, 12.1.3, where we'll have set of templates adjusted to a particular uh, series of switches or a particular switch saying, hey, if you want to deploy AI ML workloads, go select this template for the switch, and we will go and deploy that end-to-end. -end. Um, if you do, I'll just kind of cover that subject. If you go and do and use that ensemble script, which, which we have as a part of, of Blueprint, um, that part is already built in into that ensemble script. So how, how, we, how we will develop this and how we're going to go into, into the, the next releases, 12.1.3 and so on, you'll have all these capabilities absolutely built in into NDFC and basically matter of minutes, you will be able to deploy this, this cluster. That's fantastic. So what about the insights part? So once the fabric's up, where, what does insights provide? Exactly. So I wanted to kind of go back. Um, insights provide you visibility. So NDFC will come, will push configuration, will say, hey, I know this configured, this fabric is configured in line with best practices. What insights will do will provide you monitoring capabilities. So I'll be able to look at every flow. I'll be able to even um, uh, observe congestion into the network. So with that, how I'm going to kind of detect that, I'm going to have uh, PFC and ECN counters present in NDFC and those, and I'll have that basically present per port uh, in, in this case. Uh, we do look to expand this capabilities further to be on a per, per class of service um, uh, type of um, um, statistics or telemetry, but in, in the release, which will come um, in, in a few months, uh, which is um, ND3.0 and NDI application, which goes with, with that ND uh, Nexus dashboard release, will have PFC ECN uh, counters present per port. Um, so you as a user, uh, if, you, if you're building this network, will be able to go and look at those 
counters and those indications and say, hey, my congestion uh, algorithm is not working as I expected it. Let me go and tune it or change it something uh, differently. And you will be able to reach to us and say, hey, dear Cisco, I see too many PFCs or too many ECNs or whatever thing it is, and we'll be able to kind of help you and direct you where where to look at and and how to to do it. Um, as I mentioned, just to to kind of repeat that part, um, currently NDI will be able to to tell you what are flows present in the system, how those flows are working, but having this visibility into AI ML workload from perspective of PFC and ECN is coming in release in a, in a few months, uh, which is 3.0 release. Right, that's great. Um, you mentioned there about the, the, you know, the, the configuration part and all the notifications and everything else. Let me ask you this, will these settings conflict with whatever buffer settings is done on the application level, or is this technically transparent to the application? So. I'll I'll take this and try to explain in in kind of this way. Application will live on those compute nodes. They will need to comply with what network does. What I mean by that, they have to originate those ECN capable packets. They will need to comply with PFC. So all this congestion management and whatever network does is it has to be end to end from source host to end host, which is source of the traffic to end host, which is destination of the traffic. So from that perspective, your, your application will be adjusted. From network perspective, um, obviously you would need to configure PFC and, and ECN. Uh, I'll go kind of step deeper here. Um, when we configure PFC on Nexus 9000 switches, uh, in order to guarantee that lossless capabilities or lossless transport, we have to dedicate a portion of the buffer to this uh, particular set of traffic. Uh, reason is, hey, congestion happens until my source kind of stops sending the traffic and I can say, hey, I have way to mitigate congestion. I have to preserve all that inline incoming traffic until the source stops. Anything which happened to be on the wire since I start sending towards the source any, any pause frames or ECN frames um, and that host slows down, anything which is on the wire has to be preserved in order to provide that lossless capabilities. So and as such, we reserve a small portion of the buffer per port so we can guarantee that lossless capabilities. In that small portion of the buffer, we do put ECN thresholds, um, WRED ECN thresholds ahead of PFC thresholds. So why do we do this? Uh, the first thing is that we, we want to preserve that low latency uh, and we want to slowly mitigate that congestion if if uh, system is cap uh, if system is compliant to do that. Uh, so how do we do this? We do trigger PFC uh, sorry WRED ECN um, um, first. It's basically pair flow mechanism uh, telling to basically those bursty and chatty, uh, sources host to slow down first and having those last chatty hosts maybe not slow at all or maybe slow just a little bit. Uh, how do I do this? Any packet coming from the source will be marked in their toss field. Last two significant beats, bits are ECN bits. 
So those fields will be marked as ECN capable when they originate from the host. If congestion happens anywhere in the network, I'm going to remark those two bits to one, one. So both of the bits will be one. And once that, that packet reaches the, um, the destination, um, it destination will realize that there is, um, uh, congestion somewhere in the path. Uh, so how, how it's going to realize it's going to do per flow basis. So if one flow or multiple high, high bandwidth flows going to experience this, uh, the switch will mark all of those flows basically, because I have a lot of packets. I will mark all of those flows. Once the destination receives that packet, it's going to say, Hey, there is five sources, which are contributing to this congestion. Let me send five CNP packets, one to each of those hosts to slow down. So those, those CNP packets will be per again, per flow going to those five hosts, telling them to slow down. This in most cases will manage congestion. Um, it will help you to preserve that low latency capabilities. And it's basically a very, very subtle way to, to slow down traffic. However, let's go a step forward. Um, what happens if, if this mechanism doesn't, um, um, uh, manage congestion and you keep, uh, experiencing more and more congestion in, in the network switches in this case. Uh, the system will trigger those PFC thresholds are higher than WRED ECN thresholds. So I'm going to trigger PFC. PFC is kind of a fail safe mechanism. So if I'm not able to mitigate congestion in any other way, I'm going to hit PFC and I'm going to stop everybody. Um, it's more important for me to not have loss in any of the traffic than, um, in a sense, preserving, um, um, flows in this case and, and um, having them. So in this case, PFC will go, will slam the brake and everybody will stop. And then they will start trying to, to be a more, a better citizens in, in this network uh, with this. And any smaller congestion will be uh, mitigated with WRED, ECN, and any higher congestion will be mitigated with PFC. That's great. Um... Now that we're um, here hitting the end, um, I'm going to ask my last question, to be honest. Great, inter interesting topic and super, super cool. Where can we find more documentation um, about this? Any scripts available, anything on GitHub? Where can we go to actually look at this code and get familiar with it? So um, we do have, if you go just um, Google Cisco AI ML blueprint, uh, data center blueprint, uh, you will get a document that that's kind of super easy to find. Um, um, in, in that you will see the, the explanation of how all these congestion management and what are the best practices to build AI ML, uh, um, a cluster, um, in, as I mentioned, there is a link to CVD, which will explain, uh, end to end, uh, configuration. Uh, there is also, I would need to figure out the way to, to easily share, but on GitHub, there is a script, which I mentioned, which is ensemble script for configuration of, of this network. Um, additional resources, uh, at Cisco live, I did uh, tech field day video kind of complementing what, what we are doing here. Uh, there is also other, um, sessions at Cisco live, uh, which are covering. Uh, basically how the Rocky works and, and what kind of, 
uh, network needs to do to transport that rocket traffic. So those are kind of short list of, of resources which are easily available to everybody. I've got one uh, parting question here as well. Um, obviously, we've talked an awful lot today about uh, a lot of really cool stuff that uh, Cisco is doing, um, and I want folks to understand, you know, why Cisco. So I've heard that, you know, obviously Cisco is leveraging its long history of of excellent QoS implementation across all its product lines for many, many years, uh, decades, uh, dare I say. Uh, and then obviously the ease of implementation of deploying this using dashboard and that being uh, very simple and straightforward for, uh, you know, administrators to do. And then lastly, for businesses, uh, the deep pool of talent that exists because of Cisco learning and how many folks out there are familiar with uh, Nexus. What other uh, unique differentiators are there uh, for Cisco in this space that uh, you, you want to part with? Thank you, Paul. Yeah. So. You hit all the, the great points. Um, I do feel that's that's the value of, of Cisco. In addition to that, um, I would like to kind of mention, we do our own in-house silicon, our own ASICs. Um, as such, we do have um, kind of a way to better couple uh, and innovate more. Let's first innovate and create some of new features. So one of the feature which I have, or kind of a few of them, uh, which I highlighted in, in which we highlighted in uh, blueprint uh, would be uh, approximate fair job. So it's kind of more efficient way to do WRED uh, by doing exactly per flow um, uh, triggering of ECN. So that's kind of in-house smart buffer uh, capability. In addition to that, we do come with um, 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 flow telemetry capabilities on our Nexus 9000 switches, where you're able to export information about any particular flow, any particular information uh, from the switch, uh, and as such, gain additional level of visibility in your network. Um, in addition to that, uh, we do continue to, to develop and innovate, um, creating, uh, obviously, current generation of the switches, uh, Nexus 9000 switches are 400 gig. We do have plan to to uh, in the pipeline to enable 800 gig. So from that perspective, um, uh, having a higher um, high port density, higher bandwidth on per port will allow you to create uh, even more efficient AI ML network. Um, so to summarize, uh, high bandwidth network, low latency network and as well visibility into the network with some of the advanced QS capabilities are differentiator for Cisco in this space. Thank you. Okay, so was there anything else that we wanted to cover? Did we pretty much nail it? Looks like we're good. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, to our listeners, if you want to continue your learning on today's topic, you can check out the resources provided in the show notes below. And this is your weekly reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure you click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next time.